It's Dear Instructional Designer, Episode 41. Hey everybody and welcome back to Dear Instructional Designer, the show about the instructional design journey. I'm your host, Kristen Anthony. It's Season 3 of Dear ID. This season, we're taking a good long look at design projects out there in the real world. This episode, we're going to be taking a look at a French-language interactive video-slash-game called A Trip Out to Sea. Let's break it down. As usual, first, let's talk context. This game used to have its own site with a great breakdown of its goals, but it's been archived, so the best I could do was to look up contemporary articles that mentioned it. What I learned from this is that the game was created through a collaboration of agencies for, and I'm probably mispronouncing this, Guy Cotton, a French marine clothing and safety equipment brand as a PSA, a reminder to always wear a life jacket when out on the sea. So the problem we're trying to solve is that there are still a ton of people who think that they know what they're doing and if the sea is calm and it's a good day, etc., then they feel comfortable not wearing a life jacket and we want to convince them otherwise. This game is in the simulation category, which means that it's built to simulate some aspect of real or fictional reality. Very often, you take on the role and the point of view of an agent in that reality. For example, in a first-person flight simulator or train sim or a medical sim. But it is a broad category of games and it can include games like The Sims series, where you create an avatar and try and live out the kind of life you want in The Sims world. There's a pretty good Wikipedia article about the category that I'll link to in the show notes. In this case, the solution they went with was a point-of-view or first-person game, so it'll be in the context of games where you become a part of the reality in the game, as opposed to controlling an avatar you can see. Why a game as a solution? They could have gone with a print advert or a typical video PSA, But the game adds an intriguing level of interactivity, which we'll explore in a bit. The type of game it is also gives you some real emotional investment in the character that you might not have had if you were simply looking at or watching third parties. So using a game for this PSA gives you the opportunity to more fully engage with the player's emotions and really make an impact on them. As the Alan Interactions mantra goes, We want experiences that are meaningful, memorable, and motivational. I think the game they created checks all of these boxes. Of course, in this case, it may also limit the amount of people who interact with this as a solution. It got a ton of coverage in the press when it came out, so a lot of people saw it, but it isn't responsive, so it's a desktop-only experience, which is fine, by the way, And it isn't a video, so there may be a more targeted audience of people willing to play a game that will experience this. 
We don't talk about it a lot, I think, but the medium of your solution needs to obviously match and enhance your chosen solution. But you may also need to keep in mind whether or not your medium makes it inaccessible for others, in terms of where and how they can use it, in terms of whether or not it can be used and reused as a reference. In terms of whether or not it's accessible to people across the disability spectrum, and other considerations like these, I think, given the context, an interactive simulation game was a very good medium and solution choice. Let's tuck into the actual game. We begin with some cinematic titles. They're very nice, very slick, and the water sounds behind it. Really, just begin to prime us for the experience ahead. We also get some instructions about how best to view this experience with headphones and on full screen. As I mentioned briefly earlier, sometimes we can design an experience specifically for desktop, or to take another example, specifically for VR, as opposed to trying to create something that goes across devices. There's a really great talk about thinking differently about the device ecosystem that I'll link to in the show notes. The instructions make it clear that we're meant to experience this with no distractions. In our current technology context, an interactive VR film might also be a good alternative or parallel medium for this. It's about immersion. Once the titles disappear, we launch right into the film. Which sets up the context for the game portion. Now, this is a game, and if you've played games, you may notice that many of the bigger titles have these kinds of opening sequences to set the stage. And in some of them, you can't pause the sequence, but sometimes on replay, you can skip it. I found myself really wishing that I could pause the initial video. Part of this is just my context. I'm trying to analyze the game, but even in a different context, say I was sitting down to play and I got interrupted, I'd like to be able to pause this so I don't miss this important background setting. There are legitimate reasons why a player might want to pause the video, and I think it would have been better to include this as an affordance. I'll also take a moment to say, just like in the "Will you fit into Deloitte interactive video" we looked at previously, we'll once again see and hear the character we are meant to be. I think, though, that given the dramatic context here, it's even less of an issue. I still felt very closely tied to the character. Back to our opener. It's a beautiful, clear day at sea. A fact remarked on by your friend Charles. To whom you give control of the boat you're on, everything seems calm and lovely. No cause for concern here. You walk to another part of the ship to check on a sail. Then Charles, who seems to be a rather inexperienced sailor, draws your attention to a problem. As you're walking back, you get hit by what I think is the boom. Yes, I did have to look up parts of a sailing boat, and you are in the water. Then, my friends, within forty seconds of no problem here, the game starts. Your objective, which they give you about a second or two to orient yourself to, is to scroll up without stopping, just to keep your head above water. This is a super simple mechanic, and I want to draw your attention to this. We aren't even talking arrow keys or 
WASD, which is another set of navigation controls often used on PC games. We aren't trying to do anything fancy. The sole mechanic of this game is to scroll. But wow is it effective. You'll find yourself getting tired after just a few dozen seconds, and as time passes, you'll need to expend more effort to keep your head up, which is where the simulation part comes in. You aren't even the one doing the swimming, you're just scrolling, and it's tiring. Charles is not coming back, and you are struggling out there. The first person's perspective they chose is really at its best here, where you'll begin to experience that rush of adrenaline in your body as you try to keep your character afloat. I've been reading Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow for the past several weeks, and one of the things he mentions is that expending mental effort is a whole body affair. While you may not be gasping for breath, you will experience a reaction to the simulation in your body. That's the key. You want to talk meaningful, memorable, and motivational, we've got it right here. That's why I love this as an example. Again, we've got a super simple mechanic coupled with a perspective that puts you in the driver's seat and the situation that will make you more attentive and alert because of the danger involved. It's really a triple threat. Another essential feature of this game is that even if you persevere as I did to the very end, you will always drown. There is no help for you. Now, this may seem to go against some of the rules you might have heard about making a good game. Shouldn't you give people the chance to be rescued? Well, I think that this is a great case for know the rules, then break the rules. Because this is a PSA, the goal is to really drill in that you need to wear a life jacket. Drowning at the end makes this experience much more memorable. It's no longer a matter of, well, I'd be fine because I'm a good swimmer, or even I'd be fine because I only sail with other experienced sailors. It becomes a matter of the sea is stronger than you. You will tire out eventually. Full stop. And the sort of life flashes before your eyes ending is another great touch that plays into that memorability as well. This guy seems to have had a pretty good life and it's gone now. A life jacket could have saved him. At the end of the experience, we can see how many others have played the game, reported in terms of others who have drowned, and we can share it. So let's zoom back out and think about how we might measure success for this experience. I want to be clear that in its original context, again, this is meant to be a PSA and a bit of marketing for the company that commissioned it. So right off the bat, Metrics like number of plays, social shares, likes, etc., and good press about it, number of articles written about it, and number of outlets that picked it up, would be good measures of success. If we translate this sort of experience to a more learning-focused context, I might be interested in things like, when did people give up? At what point did they tire out? How much effort did people actually put into the scrolling? I'd be interested to know how fast people were scrolling up and, if possible, even how hard they were pressing on something like a touchpad. I know I found myself hitting my touchpad with some vigor as time went on, and I felt like I needed to work harder to keep myself alive. 
The point around these metrics would be to think about whether or not and how much people were actually engaged with the activity. Were they into it? There's a definite difference between scrolling lazily through your email or through your Twitter feed and the type of scrolling a person might do here. It could be a good indication as to whether or not the experience was on point with the motivation factor. I should also say that I think in a learning context, an experience like this would be very well positioned at the beginning of a series or a subscription learning package. Say you were working with a nonprofit that taught about water safety. Starting from this and moving on to a different type of learning experience could be a wonderfully memorable and meaningful progression. As is, this experience wouldn't really stand on its own in a learning context. However, once again, I think that this is grade A material that we should borrow from in our work. So let's wrap up with some takeaways from this experience. From a technical perspective, we have an experience designed and optimized for desktop viewing. Be aware of that as an option you can consciously make. When you're thinking about the device ecosystem, sometimes the right choice isn't responsive design. It's designing different experiences for different contexts. From a design perspective, we've got a simulation game in the first-person perspective. The POV perspective here does an absolutely wonderful job of tying the player's emotion and effort to the character on the screen. We become very much invested in keeping him alive, which is very powerful. The game features a single, simple mechanic, scrolling. Again, I really can't emphasize this enough. Your game mechanics don't have to be complex. You don't even have to have more than one mechanic in a short game. Simple mechanics can be powerful mechanics if you set them up well. And more generally, we've got some powerful storytelling going on here throughout the experience. From the beginning to the very end, we're engaged in a gripping drama of trying to keep a man alive, a battle we eventually lose. So the ability to tell a good story with the video elements, with the game elements, not in spite of them or around them, but an integrated story was key to the success here. So if you choose to make a game or an interactive video, give us a story to get invested in. That's it for this teardown episode. If you're a podcast listener, don't forget to check out the video version. I'll have a link in the show notes. And as always, if you've looked at this example and you have some different points or you saw things differently, I'd love to have a conversation about it. I'm at AnthChris on Twitter. You can shoot me an email at Kristen at DearInstructionalDesigner.com or you can leave a comment under the video. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes as well. You can learn more about how at DearInstructionalDesigner.com. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you back here next time. Take care.